0: I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications Podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I'm joined by Aviad Stein, Head of Digital Experience Strategy in the Broadridge Innovation Lab. Aviad, thanks for joining today.
1: Thank you, Matt, for having me. Really excited to talk to you today.
0: Excellent. No, I'm excited for this. And I, I wanted to start with some of the roles that you've held in the past where you've led an innovation lab at Nordstrom. You've done product and strategy work with Bloomberg and Dun Bradstreet. You've served as an advisor and consultant to startups on digital strategy, growth, and customer experience. Can you share some highlights and lessons learned from those roles?
1: Yeah, definitely, I'd be happy to. So as you stated, you know, I kind of served in different roles going from forming innovation labs in a few companies, Fortune 500s like Nordstrom, Bloomberg, and then the Broad and also in small startups where I help them really just define both their customer experience strategy, growth, and the ability to diversify their portfolio and go into different markets. The common thing across those industries and across the brands that I've worked with in the past were that they're all focused on the end user. Coming to Broadridge, I saw an opportunity for us to expand the way that we think about our solutions, about our offerings, to start with identifying and focusing on the customer needs. I found it very interesting also you know, throughout my career that data and research became an extremely important aspect of the decision-making, Right, prioritizing what type of solutions you might want to build for your clients had to be focused and had to be relying on customer data, on market analysis, on defining and creating different hypotheses, right, that you would want to validate with your customers. And so those 18 years before I joined Broadbridge really prepared me coming to an organization that have tremendous success among our our own client base, but really elevating and focusing ourselves on being even more customer centric, right? And being able to integrate different processes around innovation and different elements that will help us focus on elevated value, right? At scale for years to come.
0: So Aviat, obviously with your background, you tend to take more of a disruptive approach. You really like the startup world. You launch innovation labs in companies that haven't had them in the past. Can you talk a little bit about how you take that into a company like Broadridge and how you've been successful in launching the work that you have?
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Matt. I think that that has been a challenge and an opportunity, I think, for many large corporations and Fortune 500 companies who are trying to disrupt. And sometimes disruptions takes a lot of effort in acknowledging where you're positioned in the market both from the way that you define and prioritize and push to market different solutions, but also, and even more importantly, the way that you are operating internally, right? I mean, a lot of companies are using some buzzwords around moving to agile, moving to to scrum teams, being able to really define different focus areas that are focused on the end consumer, but in reality, it's very, very difficult And joining Broadridge, I think I joined at a great time where a lot of people in the organization are already understanding, right, the value of innovation. But in order to take it to the next level from just talking about innovation to actually implementing it, you need to put processes in place. And I think that the first thing that we have tried to do is create a process that is primarily focused on validation based on customer needs. We're trying to help prototype and design different solutions, directional solutions that will address those needs. We're in a position right now where we have very strategic initiatives that we want to push to market so we can actually move much faster, right, in the process from unknowns to quantifiable opportunities.
0: I think those are really important points. And I also wanted to touch on the formation of the Broadridge Innovation Lab where you sit now. Can you speak a little bit about the lab and your mission there?
1: Sure. You know, the formation of the Innovation Lab, which was formally introduced at Broadridge at the beginning of 2021, really echoed those type of opportunities that we saw in formalizing a process and a team is able to really centralize some of those hypothesis-driven and some of those long-term goals that Broadridge might have and want to achieve using our clients, using our technology, using the data that we have at our disposal. But putting it in a format of a team that will be able to actually go and, and run a very robust experimentation process, right? And vetting those ideas very quickly before we make those part of our product roadmap, right, and our solutioning process. And so the Innovation Lab is a centralized team that's working with all the business units, accommodating to the customer needs and the business objectives, but being able to really go in an independent uh, matter and validate some of those opportunities that we have as an organization. We started by outlining the process of innovation by Taking in consideration where we are positioned in the marketplace. What are some of the core competencies, right? And advantages that Broadridge has as a brand, as a solution in the organization and trying to leverage that, right? In terms of quantifying where should we place our bets and where should we even start experimenting some of those ideas that we have?
0: So, Aviad, can you give some examples of some of the things that you're working on within the lab without naming clients, of course, but at least the themes that you're covering and the problems that you're trying to solve?
1: Definitely. So, you know, we've identified a few areas where we believe that on the one hand, they're really complementary and supplementing the Broadridge advantages in the marketplace and at the same time, allowing us to go and experiment. And one of those large initiatives that we started to focus on early last year was reimagining communication. And so what we started doing is focusing on regulatory and transactional communication as a whole and trying to figure out, is there a way for us to start and create a much more compelling, relevant experience to investors in this case when they receive it from their brokerage and the banks that they're working with? We've ran through the innovation lab process of generating multiple hypotheses, right, about the value that consumers and investors in this case will have if they receive communication. We realized that some of those communications are not really well understood by investors. And that was what made us focus on those type of communication to begin with. We came up, again, through the innovation lab process with a few ideas how can we bring all of those together to a consolidated, aggregated communication? And at this point, what we're trying to do is work with some clients and test those uh, hypotheses in market, right, with their clients. And, you know, if I even generalize this entire strategic initiative that we're working on right now, the framework that we're trying to follow is how much relevant content we can Produce and including communications, the delivery methods, and even more importantly, I would say is the cadence, right? When you combine those two pillars, the cadence, the delivery method, and the content type, you're able to really produce something with substance for end consumers. And this is pretty much okay what we're focusing on right now for those multiple clients that we're working with.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the approach that you take there, because there are a couple pieces to this. One is you have to find a client that is willing to challenge the norms of how they've thought about client communications. Then you also need to gather insights from the recipient base or from anyone in the ecosystem to make sure that you're validating the approach that you're taking then you're probably taking a stab at a concept design and going back and validating again. Can you talk about the iterative nature of how some of these come together and also the the type of client that is best suited for truly reimagining that experience?
1: Sure, that's a great question. And I would say that, you know, when we put together the plan of solving for communications, we looked into different type of clients that we're currently working with and try to put a list of all the business objectives and some of the needs that we believe that they are trying to solve for, for their clients. And, you know, the process that you kind of indicated of the iterative process, right, from vetting ideas to building a framework, right, for what the experience is going to look like and then testing in the market is something that we are working very closely with our clients, right, to participate. Because we have a lot of unknowns in terms of how they're currently serving their clients. We have a lot of unknowns, right, about the type of data that is available to them and to what extent they're even leveraging that data, right, to modify those communications and truly reinforce those relationships. And so the process that we've been taking is really a design thinking type of a process where we kick off sessions with our clients and really just try to listen and learn from them right, about their pain points and what's important to them, right, to achieve. Is that, for example, cost savings? Is that higher level of engagement? Is that potentially, okay, acquiring, right, more clients in the process? And once we have a clear idea of what we're trying to solve for, we are running through a set of activities to get them to a point where we build together a measurement of success, right, of what that process is going to look like. And at the end of those type of activities, we're able to create a scope, right, for what the experience could look like if we're targeting their clients. And throughout that process, okay, obviously, we're working with the clients, right, to iterate some of the components of the experience, refine the key metrics, being able to understand what data is available and not available. And at the end of that process, we're able to put together our recommendation, right, of what should be tested in the market. So again, the iterative process here is one okay, that has multiple folds, both from an experience perspective, the data collection, the assessment and the kind of the synthesizing the data, and then understanding exactly, okay, to what extent it can be scaled in the market. And what are some of those benefits, right, that those clients are going to have, right, from a cost perspective and even brand positioning and so forth?
0: So I think there's an interesting theme here that we've discussed in other podcast episodes as well on... Cost reduction goals versus creating more engaging experiences. You're certainly talking about creating engaging experiences that then help achieve cost reduction goals as one of the objectives, but maybe not even as the primary objective. Can you speak to some of those metrics that clients that you're working with today are are most interested in? And if they are leading with cost reduction, how you're guiding them toward other benefits?
1: yeah definitely you know we all know that most brands would like the majority of their clients to be more digitally adopted right and digital savvy so they will be able to essentially save some costs right on sending physical communications but that's not how they truly Prioritize right the work that they want us to do with them. What they care for primarily is what type of experience I can put in front of my clients so that my client will see the value of our relationship. They will see the value of the services that they're getting from me as a brand, and also see it as an opportunity for upsell and cross sell. And so when we have that particular mindset with some of our clients, it's obviously making our life easier. And I can give you an example, right? We've been working with a client recently that came to us and said i would like to reduce my physical communication by 10% of what i'm currently sending uh, for various reasons and we asked them okay why would they would like to do that and they said we're sending out a lot of communications but we don't see any of our clients even communicating back to our advisors unlike some of our e clients who are logging in even to the website and the client services portal, right? And are able to ask questions because they have a lot of information in front of them. What we took of that is that they're enriching, right? The experience and the knowledge that clients have in comparison to those physical communications. And what we try to do at that point is really just make sure that we quantify with them what is the value, right? If we are turning off physical communications, right? At that point. The process was really interesting and what we realized that we can actually make those experiences very unique in nature so that they will not even think about print as an extension of cost reduction, but they will see that more as a unique experience right? for the people who might not even want to go and log into the portal. There's a great value, right, in looking into creating an ecosystem of experiences that combines physical communication and online communications where you start differentiating the two. And when you start doing that, cost reduction, that has been a secondary objective, right, for some of the clients is becoming much, much more compelling because you start combining that and tying that to the actual experience that you're delivering.
0: What do you think holds companies back from innovating with these communications? Through some
1: of the research we have done internally, we realized that the clients themselves who are sending out communications, not necessarily see that as a method that reinforces the value of the relationship and the relationship itself that they have with their clients they do see that more as a mandatory thing that they have to send out. What we're trying to do right now is obviously change that mindset and to make sure that they understand that those communications to the end consumer, they mean a lot, right? They mean a lot, okay, if they're personalized. They mean a lot if they're relevant. They mean a lot, okay, if they have enough information that can give them a sense of trust and a sense of confidence, right, of the relationship they have with the firms that they're working. For. We're also kind of shifting the mindset that clients have of the value of those communications, right? And I think that we have done a great job to date throughout our studies and throughout some of the politics we're currently having in market to prove how much of those communications can mean also to the brands themselves from a branding positioning perspective, right? from the ability to actually go and attract and acquire new customers that traditionally would not even consider joining them, and so forth.
0: Yeah, I often find that there are innovative people within every client organization, but to really inspire change, you need a spark at an executive level. You need somebody at that executive level to really be bought into rethinking the status quo. And then when you go into those ideation sessions and workshops, making sure you have a cross-functional team represented. So then you're starting to check the boxes of who's in the loop and also making sure that everybody feels bought into the vision and airs their concerns and have peers providing counterpoints or even just identifying a narrower track to take to circumvent some of those concerns that may have stopped them in the past.
1: I would say the number one and the most critical component of driving change, driving transformation and being disruptive is the acknowledgement from the executive level. And in this case, okay, having an executive sponsor who understand and backing up those initiatives, oftentimes an innovation lab as a whole, or even being innovative, right, can be perceived as really changing the way that the business is currently functioning. And especially in companies okay, who have been very successful for many years, there is some risk assessment, right? And there is some fear that you will potentially cannibalize and jeopardize the way that you operate currently and the way that it's going to affect your relationship with your clients. And so the point of having an executive sponsor and having that acknowledgement, right, that aside from continuing and scaling and optimizing the existing businesses, right? And the offerings that the business have, you need to have more of an experimental entity, right? That is able to both engage with clients and go and validate and experiment around new ideas is critical, not just, okay, for the success of the business, but more so to be able to demonstrate your value to your existing clients and getting them to see that you're also thinking ahead And want to work with them, right, to solve for new opportunities. Having the executive sponsorship and the acknowledgement is probably the most uh, critical factor, right, in creating a culture of innovation.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And where I would want to go from there is almost taking it to the step of you've got a company bought into the desire to innovate, but they're probably lacking some of the tool sets to innovate on their own, and they're looking for external partners or existing vendors to support on that innovation path. So take a Broadridge client, for example, how would that client approach the Broadridge Innovation Lab? How would you help them get started? Where do you start?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, you know, since we recently formalized, right, the Innovation Lab, I think that it's not really well known, both internally and to some of our clients. The way for us, okay, to get the word out there that we formed that team and that we are committed, right, to experimentation. The idea here again is to have that as a service offered to some of our clients who want to experiment alongside the existing partnerships. Because end of day, and I know that you know it as well, Matt. It's all about creating quick wins, right? We're doing it right now with some of our clients. We'll be able to obviously demonstrate and kind of introduce the process we're taking. What can they expect from working with us? What can they expect, right, from an output perspective? And to what extent, okay, we can actually help them solve for some of those strategic initiatives that they have and they might require what our help with them.
0: Excellent. So, how does the communications market continue to evolve over the next few years? What are your thoughts?
1: That's a great question, Pat. If I had to guess. I would say that you're going to see a lot more personalization and content that can really speak to consumers across industries baked into those communications. I think that when we started the process of reimagining communication, we looked at it from the perspective of the regulatory communication and transactional. We're going to continue, I think, to see, okay, the combination of the two coming together. One of the large trends is the level of Personalization between the brand themselves and the end consumer based on the history, right, of their relationship. I would be very curious to see okay, how can you take that experience and bring that, for example, to regulatory communications, right? How can you inform? investors, right, of different elements that are tied directly to their portfolio, to their strategy, to their goals that they're setting, right, and bring that to life in those communications so they can be both informed very well, but also take certain actions, right, that really help them feel much more comfortable and valuable with the brands they're working with. So I think, okay, personalization as a whole can be uh, really interesting and to what extent we can actually expand on that, right, when it comes to those types of communication.
0: Excellent. Well, Aviad, thank you so much for your insights today.
1: Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having me.
0: I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications Podcast. If you like this episode and think someone else would too, please share it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. If you're ready to reimagine your customer experiences, consider the Broadridge Communications Cloud, an end-to-end platform for creating, delivering, and managing omni-channel communications and customer engagement. Lastly, to learn more about Broadridge, our insights and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn.